Wonderful. So good to hear the chat. It's always lovely. And um, at the end of the service, we have teas and coffees and biscuits and stuff. So please do uh, hang around and we can continue to our fellowship and uh, chat a little bit more. Fantastic. Now, I worked out that how many people here were brought up to go to church? How many of you were brought up to go to church? Okay. Um, quite, a, quite a few people. Um, I wasn't really, I wasn't brought up to go to church, but I worked out that if you were brought up to go to church and you lived to about the age of 70, then if you went to church on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening and you were very consistent, over the period of 70 years, you'd probably hear about 10,000 different sermons. Wow, there you go. Now, one of the things I do when I do a kind of a seminar, or used to in a seminar on kind of personal witness, I'd, ask, I'd give people 45 seconds in the group to think of their five most memorable sermons that they have heard. And I give them 45 seconds. I mean, out of 10,000, there's a lot to choose from. And at the end of the 45 seconds, I asked, how many of you think thought of five and there's no hands up? How many of you thought of four? Somebody really keen will put a hand up. Three is kind of the average, get down to two, and then some people can't really think of any. And that's usually Wendy, my own wife. So, <laughs> And so, a little bit disappointing. Now, let me get this right, let me get this right. You think, well, why do we come and listen then? Now, we, it's important that, you know, that we feed ourselves. So it talks about the Word of God. It washes us. It's a light to our feet. 2 Timothy 3.16 says it equips us for every good work. So even though we might not remember everything we've heard, it's still good to be fed. I can't remember what I had for tea last Monday. Sorry, darling, I can't remember... Now, Friday nights, we, you know, we, we said that we'll alternate. We tend to have a takeaway, either a Chinese takeaway or an Indian takeaway. So, Wendy prefers Chinese. So, every Friday night, we have Chinese. That's just how it works. Uh, but I want to assure you that I, I can remember on Friday nights what we eat, because it's going to be Chinese. I know that. But the rest of the time, I can't remember what I've eaten. But it's still important to be fed. So, that is the point. And then I say to the group, right, I'm going to give you 45 seconds to think of five people who have really been influential in your faith that you know of. And I give them 45 seconds to think of five people. At the end of 45 seconds, I'd say, how many of you can remember five people? And everybody's hand goes up. We don't always remember what we hear, important that it is, but we do remember people. And I remember one of the reasons, major reasons that I became a Christian, having not been brought up to go to church, is because of connecting with people who knew Jesus and realized that they had something. But let me say this, connecting with people will also determine whether we go on and fulfill God's purposes within our lives. Our connection with other people is so important. 
So at Encounter Church, we have our mission uh, statement of uh, encountering Jesus, making disciples, and releasing missionaries. And in essence, what we're saying is, we want to know God better. We want to grow. We want to make a difference. And our mission is to help other people do that. Now, Rick Warren, he wrote a, a best-selling book called um, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. It's, it's a book that uh, was launched in America. Millions of people have read this book, even people who are not Christians. The Purpose Driven Life. And his conclusion within it is this, is that we're better together. We're better when we do this together. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians 4, verse 16, where it says this. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, over this particular start to the 2024, we've been looking at some of the hallmarks of Encounter Church. What are some of our hallmarks? And last week, uh, Isaac talked about uh, discipleship. We've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about engaging in the presence of God. But one of the hallmarks of our church, we believe, is people connecting with each other. It's such an important thing that we connect with God, know his presence, but we connect with one another in a meaningful way. Now, one of the uh, longest studies on longevity, that is living longer, ever done, researchers found that health habits are contagious. So you're probably, do, you're probably in a good position if you're sitting next to somebody who's really helpful, because somehow it's contagious. Not infectious, sorry. It's not going to just pass on to you. But this says this, if you spend time with people who exercise, you're more likely to exercise. It is clear that I spend a lot of time with people who <laughs> exercise. If you spend time with people who eat healthily, you're more likely to eat healthily. And in the New Testament, on 59 occasions, the term one another comes into play. One another comes in to play. So if I can say this in the right way, it's not just you and the Lord himself. 59 times it mentions one another. Researchers also tell us that lack of relationship or connection significantly affects our physical and mental health, our outlook on life. So lack of relationship increases the likelihood of engaging in unhealthy, self-destructive coping mechanisms. It decreases the likelihood that we'll make good lifestyle choices. It also increases the likelihood of premature disease and death of all kinds of causes. And it concluded it keeps us from fully experiencing the joy of everyday life. So connecting with people is so important. And I dare to suggest that the lack of relationship or connection significantly affects our spiritual health, our spiritual health, growth, and effectiveness. There's so many Bible verses. About, and, and one in the Old Testament I really like, he just says, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. 
So we need each other. So three areas that it helps, many areas. It helps us to encounter the Lord himself if we connect in a meaningful way. There's a wonderful verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, where it says this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. There's a condition there, isn't there? There's a condition there. That if we love one another, God lives in us, is evident, and his love is made complete in us. There's something about knowing the love of God that comes through connecting with other Christians. Now, I remember somebody saying that there's so many different kind of groups that we can connect with the Lord Jesus, and all of them are very important. So there's that one-to-one spending time with him, and... um, Many of you will do that. I know that you'll take time maybe daily or every few days to sit down, to read the Bible a little bit and to pray. And there's nothing like that one-to-one connection with the Lord that nobody else can have for you. It's, it's something that we can only have ourselves. But as you look through scriptures, there's other kind of settings and groups that really engaged with the Lord. So we know that Jesus met with um, James and John and Peter, don't we? That uh, the three or four of them met together. And that kind of backs up, doesn't it, what the scripture says, where two or three are gathered in my name. You don't always need a large number. I am there with you. So there was something about their engagement together. There's something about three or four people getting together in the name of the Lord and encountering him. And we know that, uh, that groups of about 12, 10, 12, 8, 9, 10, 12 are also significant. That throughout church history, I actually did a research document on this, my thesis and my dissertation on connect groups, small groups. And throughout church history, when there was a real movement of God, it seems that people were meeting more and more together in these groups, about 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. They were the hotspots of church history and church growth when people did this. But there's something about that. And there's something about coming together on a Sunday morning as a congregation and we'll come to that just a little bit more in a moment, that there's just something that, you know, coming together helps us to engage with God corporately. And then, of course, there's the interchurch side as well, that we, you know, when we go and get together with people from other churches, and it's just wonderful, isn't it, when we get together with large crowds of Christians, and uh, we just engage with the Lord in a different way than we would here. All of them are important. And sometimes as Christians, we do need to get out more. We do need to meet with people from other churches because there's something about engaging with the Lord in a way that you can't do in other settings. So there's so many different ways that God has for us. But in his book, um, F. Friese, Randy Friese says this in his book, Connect Church. He says this, The first century Christians understood that a decision to follow Christ included a decision to make the church the hub of their world. They were making a decision that I'm going to be part of the body of Christ and I'm going to engage with the body of Christ. Now, I'm so glad that when I became a Christian at the age of 16, that those that were older Christians, more mature Christians, were happy to hang around with me and my my friends. And They just didn't think that they were beyond meeting with other Christians in order to grow. Because I remember I got so much from them. 
so much from them. I learned how to get into the Bible from them. I learned how to pray through them. I learned how to become a witness because of them. I learned how to be generous and to tithe because of them. I learned how to serve because of them. I learned how to be patient because of them, because they were patient with me. And I'm still trying to know God. I'm still trying to grow. I'm still trying to serve. And I know that I cannot do it without you. I know that I cannot. And it'd be easy to think, well, he's a pastor. He's graduated. He's studied. Well, we think he might have. We're not too sure. The jury's still out. But we cannot grow without each other. And Jesus, doesn't he, right at the end of the gospel, one of the last things he said to his disciples, he says, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a little bit plug for baptism, baptize them. And command them to do everything, teach them to do everything that I've commanded you. But let me say this, that things are caught rather than taught. And Jesus' method was that people would catch from him by being with him, not just because of what he said. So it helps us to encounter the Lord Jesus. Secondly, it helps us to stand. Connecting meaningfully with others helps us to stand as well. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, it says this, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. So we're called to love, but also to be courageous and to be strong and to stand in a world that doesn't stand for what we believe. So we need each other. Uh, Last week, uh, myself and Wendy were away for the weekend, and... um, we weren't at a conference like Isaac was insinuating that we were. <laughs> if you remember, if you were here. He makes out I'm always at conferences, but um, I'm not. There we go. But Wendy and I were, had this privilege of going to the Principality Stadium in which country? Cardiff, Wales, Yes. Cardiff is not a country, but it's things that it is, but Wales, Cardiff, Wales. And we saw the Six Nations match on the Saturday uh, rugby. Just fantastic atmosphere. Wendy always wanted to go, and I was happy to go along. And I thought it was a great idea. And uh, no, it's true. It was Wendy that wanted to go. So, but I, I thought, you know, she needs a friend to go with her. So, so I went. And we were sitting there, and the, uh, mostly Welsh people there, because obviously he's in Cardiff. And, um, but we had a few Scottish people around us as well. And uh, for the first time in 20 years, 22 years, Scotland won. It was a very exciting match. And it was interesting that um, there's one guy, because it looks as if Wales were going to, sorry, Scotland were going to lose, and he was sitting next to me in his kilt. They're all in kilts. Amazing. Very brave, very cold. And he turned to me and he said, because they thought they were going to lose. He says, this is typical, this is what it's like following Scotland rugby. They were playing away from home. And in 1 Peter, he talks about how we are strangers in this world. That we are foreigners as such, scattered throughout, 
And Peter, 1 Peter, first chapter says, live good lives amongst everyone to reflect your faith. So in some ways, as Christians, our home is in heaven. We're playing away from home. But how on earth do we stay fit for purpose? How do we survive, not only survive, but thrive as Christians? How do we do that? Now, I'm encouraged in the, from the Old Testament of the book of Daniel. Now, most people, when they write a book in the Bible, it's because they wrote the book. But this was a book about Daniel, and they could make many films about the life of Daniel. It's just amazing. His faith was amazing. But just put it in a nutshell, 610 BC, he was living in Jerusalem, and uh, they were uh, taken over by King Nebuchadnezzar. He was, oversaw a lot of the world, known world at that time, including Babylon. And all the royals and the educated people and the skilled people were dragged off from Jerusalem to Babylon. And it was not a nice place. It was the largest city in the world at that time, about 200,000 people. Babylon, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, is depicted as a place of arrogance, confusion, rebellion, and immorality. Yet Daniel outlives four kings, two empires, helps to change history. And I was surprised to read that Daniel, when he was in the lion's den, which we kind of see as a children's story, he was probably the age of 90 when he went into the lion's den. So he stood firm in his faith with all those obstacles all the way through. Now, Charles Swindle says this, life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And Daniel reacts to it. Now, we could say there's many reasons that help Daniel to stand all the way through this, but I think one of the key things is he has three great mates that were following the Lord as well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their names had been changed from what they were because in Babylonian culture they made them change their names so somehow that they would lose the identity of God's people, but they were having none of it. We are God's people. We're going to stand as God's people. And they met regularly uh, to pray together. There's times when they're in a fix and they would pray together. And they didn't lose their dream, they didn't lose their identity, they didn't lose their hope, they didn't lose their purpose. So connecting intentionally helps us to stand. And thirdly, connecting intentionally helps us to remain missional, helps us to be missional. Acts 2, chapter, verse 47, Jesus said, uh, sorry, he tells us about the, the believers at the early church, even though they were persecuted, they connected with each other, and he says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Their connection with each other helped them to remain missional. Now, this is important because they reckon that whatever values that a church has, a local church has, whether, you know, it's worship, getting into the Bible and prayer, they reckon that the value of remaining remaining missional or a person remaining missional is twice as hard as any other value. Very hard for people to stay missional, 
to think in terms of how my personal witness is very important. It's not easy. Now, in Jeremiah, we read, don't we, that God encourages this group of people that are dragged off from Jerusalem to Babylon. And Jeremiah, one of the major prophets, prophesies to this, these, these people that have been dragged off. So stick with it, Daniel being one of them. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, to these people who had been dragged off to Babylon, God says this, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Very interesting, isn't it? We thought Nebuchadnezzar came and picked them up and took them. But God says, no, I'm in this. Where you are, where you're placed, I'm in this. And we might at times be in situations where we think, I prefer not to be here. But here God says, no, I placed you here for a purpose. And he says to them, pray to the Lord for it. That's Babylon, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. God was saying to them that had been carried into Babylon, it's not just about survival, it is still about revival. It's still about making a difference. I still want to change things where you are. So that's Jeremiah 29 verse 7. Stick with it, stick quicker. It'd be very easy for us to jump to Jeremiah 29 verse 11. You might be familiar with that verse because now it is the most popular verse in the Bible. Because four verses later, it says this. To these people who have been carried into Babylon, the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a hope and a future. It's interesting that we jump to that verse before the other (laughs) verse about making a difference. Now, somebody says this, somebody far more wise than me says this, the difference with the ancients is that they didn't want life just to go well, they wanted to live life well. And there's a big difference there. And I mentioned that Daniel and his friends, they would meet and they'd pray regularly and they were doing what God says, pray for this city. And it helped them to stay Focused on what God had called them to stay focused on. And over the years, many people I know have been really blessed by something that began with Mission England back in 1984, where there was, Birmingham was blessed by this at Villa Park. Uh, every night it was packed for a week. Um, it wouldn't happen for the football, but it happened when Billy Graham, the evangelist, came. Many people became Christians, and that was replicated all over the country, in Sunderland, in Liverpool, in Bristol, in London, and there's probably one or two other areas as well. But the thing was, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people became Christians. I know people who became Christians. But before the mission happened, somebody got a vision that people would pray in threes for people to become Christians. And in fact, the person who was the prayer coordinator really felt God say to him, don't initiate anything to do with prayer until you know 
what the plan is for me. And that's where this idea, this thought that leading up to Mission England, that people, Christians all over the country will get together in threes for, for the people to become, you know, for people that they know that they wanting to invite to the mission called Mission England. And the wonderful thing is that thousands became Christians before the mission even took place because people were gathering to pray. And, and meaningful connection, it really helps us to remain missional because that's not always an easy thing to do. So we need to do this. Now let me say something um, so that I mentioned two or three things. It helps us to encounter the Lord, helps us to stand, helps us to remain missional. But let me say just one or two very brief things about the thing, uh, kind of Sundays or midweek. Because some people over the years have thought, you know, what's church all about? Do we just meet midweek in our homes or do we still meet on a Sunday altogether? Do we just meet Sunday altogether or do we meet midweek? You know, what, what is God's heart? But in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 46, it says this. It says, actually, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So it's interesting that every day they kind of met corporately. I'm not trying to scare you here. Not trying to scare you here. Every other day would be fine. <laughs> but they would meet in Solomon's colonnade. They would gather, and they would gather in each other's homes. And Ralph Neighbor, in his book, The Church of the Future, talks about something called, he termed the two-winged, two-winged church. Uh, for example, like a bird has two wings. Um, and therefore, we should be two-winged as Christians. We should meet corporately, but we should meet in smaller gatherings as well and support each other and encourage each other. Because if we only have one side of it, we kind of flap in on one side and we just go round and round in circles, which it would happen if you just flapped one wing, if we did that. But the early church was so intentional with their newfound faith that it says that it was because of their vision of life together their deeper discipleship, and the call to take the gospel into every life that had taken their souls, that moved them from the inside out. They were so determined for these things to happen. Now, I don't know whether you, you probably have, I'm sure you have seen a flock of geese flying. It's quite a um, spectacle, isn't it? The way they form this V sign. And uh, a flock of geese in V formation will go further each day by 70% than if they flew on their own. So they're still flapping their wings. Nobody's doing it for them. But in that V formation, they go 70% further when they fly with other people. You see, the Lord has even sown it in nature that we connect with each other and we bless one another. Let me just say something very briefly about in person or online. Uh, we've been very blessed over these last few years. COVID has really helped us in some ways. And one of us is we kind of all upped our game of putting things online, which is fantastic and, and it's really good. And it's been really good that it's continued for those who would find it very difficult for health reasons to meet with us. But unless we can help it, it is good that we meet in person. It is good. We meet, it is good. J. John, uh, the evangelist, some of you know him, he says, 
ecclesiastical polygamy, so ecclesiastical means gatherings, polygamy means don't do that, kind of means marrying a lot of different people while you're still married. So he says, don't get into ecclesiastical uh, polygamy. What he means is, don't just your church be online, flitting from one church to another. That's what he is saying. Because there's something in the Bible called koinonia, which means fellowship. And it's a very deep thing, and it means this. It means love, intimacy, joyful, joint participation, deep community with one another, putting others' needs before each other. So it's good to be back in person, isn't it? It's great to be back in person and to do that. And so finally, finally, part of this connection is part of God's big purpose as well. Because it does us good. But Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 says, we're also being built into this holy temple. God is building something. He's building his church. In verse 23 he says, and to him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now that is a challenging thing. It's not an easy thing. We're all different. You don't all think like me. I don't think like you. We're different ages. And uh, somebody, uh, Derek and Nancy Copley, wrote a, wrote a book in the 1970s and, um, about the church coming together, and they entitled it Building with Bananas. Because we're kind of all a funny shape, really, aren't we? You don't look like bananas, I'm not saying that. But he's saying we're all a bit funny, aren't we? We're all a little bit quirky. We're all a little bit different. You know, God was, you know, he knew what he was doing. But it is an awkward thing because we're all very different. But Jesus did say, didn't he, that by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That will be a statement to the world that you love each other. And in the early church as we draw to a close, the way that those people connected with each other, despite their social differences, made a profound impact. And in the early church, the, the sociological structure was these households in which you had an owner, you had his family, you had the different generations, you might have um, um, bosses, you might have managers, you might have employees, you might have servants, you might have clients, and sometimes there's 20 or 30 people living in this household. Imagine living with 20 or 30 people. But as these people were becoming Christians, and how they began to react to each other and love one another, despite the order of the day, even though they wouldn't normally connect with each other, was something that the rest of the world just looked at and thought, this is amazing. Something incredibly different is happening here, and many people wanted to join in. It was so attractive. Now, of course, we don't have households like that today, although some of you are in student households. And um, I'm sure even that is, can be difficult at times. I'm sure you're the good ones that wash up, put things away, keep things tidy. What would you like to wash on TV? Yeah, I'm sure you do. But somebody once says this, that whereas the early church saw transformation within these communities, the challenge for the West in the 21st century is creating community where it doesn't exist. And that is a challenge for us. Not to be isolated people, not just to be independent. Now, I get it. 
Some, some are more extrovert, some more introvert. He surprises people when I say I'm far more of an introvert than an extrovert, which I am. Most pastors are for some reason or seem to be. Um, but we still need each other. We need to create space for that. So be connected, stay connected. G.K. Chesterton says this. He said, the man who lives in a small community lives in a much larger world. It's in community that disciples are made. So here at Encounter Church, we just love the fact that um, we come together on a Sunday morning. And uh, if you're new today, then you are incredibly welcome. But outside of a Sunday morning, there's other opportunities we would like to give people to connect with each other in a meaningful way, and some of them might float your boat. We have midweek connect groups where we do meet in groups of anywhere between 6 and 12 and 15 midweek, and um, if you'd like more information about that, then we can give you that. It's just harder to connect sometimes in a larger group. The smaller groups are better. Um, I really would, and not just because it's coming up and not just because the deadline is coming, is to see this, this student weekend as just an incredible opportunity, just an incredible opportunity. Weekends away, we won't call it a conference. <laughs> Even though Isaac's going, we're not going to call it a conference. We're going to call it a student weekend. I tell you, God will bless you on it. God will bless you on it. He really will. And um, the connection with other people is wonderful. So if you don't know too much about it, uh, Isaac and Emily are here, then you can ask them about it. But I would encourage you to go on that. We have uh, events for ladies and for men, and we've got one or two coming up. Look out for them. We have our Uniting Prayer Evening, once a month-ish, engage with that. You might even think, well, you know, I'd like to form something like a prayer trip to get three or four people together and pray together maybe monthly for a season. Some people in the church do that. I've, I've been greatly blessed by doing that in the past, just for a season maybe, um, for you know, 18 months or a year or two. That's been really good. But you can also engage with people in different ways. You can invite people around for coffee or go out for coffee. Or, you know, hospitality was a very big thing in the New Testament. And uh, as we mentioned on one of our notices that coming up, we're going to do an um, evening where we're going to look at what uh, membership is at uh, Encounter Church. And we're going to do an evening about that on Thursday, March the 14th. That is when that is. So let me finish with this verse and then we'll pray. In Psalm 133, it says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord commands, commands his blessing, even life evermore. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. We've been sitting for a while as we pray, if you're able to. Why don't we stand to our feet? And it's kind of a picture of readiness. And we've just been focused on just one of the hallmarks of Encounter Church that we think is important. And like anything, let me say this. Every time we kind of speak on a Sunday morning and we look at how something might apply to us, we need to kind of say, Lord, you know, how do I join up the dots here? Because it's not the same for everybody. We're in different seasons of life. We can't go to everything. But maybe this morning your prayer is, Lord, how do I join the dots up here? How do I fit this you know, piece together? Where should I place myself? What opportunities should I take hold of? Where should I be a little bit more intentional maybe about engaging and connecting with other people? We can't do everything. 
But let's say, Lord, let this be a Holy Spirit moment. Let this be a Holy Spirit season where, Lord, you help me to connect with people that I've not even thought of connecting with. God wants to bless us with new friendships and new connections and getting involved in serving alongside others, maybe even praying alongside others. Like I said, we're going to pray and ask God to help us um, join up the dots here. Lord, we do thank you for the fact that we are part of a body where you are the head. We thank you, Lord, for those that we do remember, who we do remember, that have been a great encouragement to us in our faith. And for those, Lord, where we have also been a great encouragement. Lord, this is a whole area that you want to bless us in individually. You want to bless us in as a church. And Lord, our prayer, my prayer, our corporate prayers, Lord, help us to take hold of all that you've got for us. Open our eyes to new ways new experiences how you want us to connect lord you know us so well you know how different we are you know how we'll be a blessing to each other in the different settings but lord we do pray that you would lead us forward here in this wonderful value this wonderful gift of connecting with each other lord we bless you for each other we commit each other to you in jesus name amen